Today's episode of Found Down is brought to you by Unwound Retreats. Unwound Retreats offers fun events and travel experiences for nurses locally and internationally. Founded by me, Nicole Johnson, ICU nurse and host of the Found Down podcast, I provide opportunities for nurses to practice self-care, learn, and travel together. These last two years have been brutal in healthcare, and why not give yourself the gift to unwind, learn, and grow? Previous guests have loved the experiences, especially because you can just show up and know that everything will be taken care of. Unwound Retreats is offering exciting and luxurious retreats in Morocco and Mexico. Go over to unwoundretreats.com and sign up to get on the email list so you can find out more. Welcome to the Found Down Podcast. This is a podcast of untold nursing stories that are sometimes hilarious, dark, insane, and anything in between. As a warning, this show is rated E and is mature in content. It often deals with the reality of life and death and how we as nurses intersect with that on a regular basis. If we laugh, it's not out of disrespect. We love what we do and have every intention of continuing to do so. With that, enjoy the show. Well, hello and welcome to the Found Down Podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Johnson. And today, oh my God, I'm so stoked. I'm talking to Grace Poole. That's right, Grace Poole. Oh, your thing, it says Rachel Stevens. I had like a mini it freak does. out for a second. <laughs> no, you're right. You're talking to Grace Poole. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so Grace is a respiratory therapist. Uh, she's also a phenom on TikTok. So I'm going to point you over to her account over there, but we're going to talk about her life as a respiratory therapist, sort of how she got into it, kind of what's good, what's bad, what's been tough lately, um, and anything else that comes up. But before we do any of that, how are you, Grace? Uh, I'm so happy to be here. This is so awesome. I'm, I'm so excited you asked me to do this and I'm excited to share about respiratory therapy. It's like, uh, you know, I, I feel like more, you know, I had no idea what it was until I learned about it. And people have no idea what it, what it is. So I'm excited to be able to talk about it, but I, I'm, I'm doing, you know, as well as any healthcare worker can be doing. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Um, uh, I, I hope, um, one of the things that we can talk about on this show is, uh, the relationship between nurses and health and respiratory therapy, um, yeah. therapists, but like, um, I'm also excited to learn a little bit more about respiratory therapy because, you know, I don't know, it's like really busy at work sometimes. And you're just like, don't have time to have those conversations or like, teach me more about, I don't know, like, okay, so you want to extend the, the, e, you know, they're going to change the I and the E time or whatever it is. Right. Like, yeah. <laughs> but, but, yeah. um, anyway, um, I'm just so stoked that you're here, uh, how, uh, how did you decide on like, boop, I'm going to do respiratory therapy? So like I said, I had no idea what respiratory therapy was. I had never heard of it in my entire life. So I was, um, maybe like five, six years ago, I was serving tables, um, uh, you know, taking like gen ed classes, not really sure what I wanted to do. I had always thought I wanted to do something in the medical field, but I honestly, um, I wasn't very confident, like academically, I thought I wasn't smart enough to take those science classes and math classes and things like that. Um, but then like something just clicked in my head. And I was like, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm at least gonna 
try to get a foot in the door and and see where it goes. So I actually became a phlebotomist um, and did that for a very short time. And I was still serving tables at the time. Um, and I, I loved phlebotomy. I mean, it was like my, it was the first thing I ever did, you know, in the medical field. And I, I liked, you know, the bloodiness of it. I kind of wanted more, um, but I didn't know how much more I didn't, I had considered nursing. I considered, you know, paramedic. I, I honestly didn't know. And one night I was serving tables and I had, um, this couple and I don't, I don't know they, they just kind of asked me like, Hey, you know, like, do you do anything else? What do you, what, like, what are you doing with your life? And I kind of just like word vomited all over them. Like, well, I'm doing this, but I want more and I don't know what I want to do. And this woman looked at me and she said, I'm a respiratory therapist. And I literally the next day, like went to the school I was going to and figured out what I needed to do to get accepted into their respiratory care program. And I was like accepted and uh, in the program the following year. And it's been just history ever since. But um, yeah, super random. I had no idea. And then like in school, I was such a respiratory nerd. Like it, it just, it just worked out that, you know, I had no idea about it. And then I just fell in love with it. Um, and I just keep falling in love with it. So so yeah, that's like how I got into it. And I, this woman just completely changed my life and I have no idea who she is. <laughs> I love that. That's just like this, um, divine intervention of just like, absolutely here, this is the path you're supposed to be on. Grace. Yes. Uh, love yep. it. Yeah, absolutely. What is it that you, when you say like you were respiratory nerding, like what were you, what was it that you loved? Like, what were you loving? You know, it was, I, well, I had never, you know, I had taken like anatomy and physiology and like the basic classes and I did well enough, you know, to, to do well. And then, um, oh, I, like you say, just like divine intervention, like learning about the disease processes and mechanical ventilation and like it just clicked in my head. And um, like, like I said, I had always kind of been afraid of academics. I was never a really great student, like my entire life. I was an incredibly average student, um, had to work really hard um, to do well. And um, when I was in respiratory school, man, like it just clicked and I just got it. Um, and and I mean, it's probably because I had been interested before, but, you know, taking just, uh, like I said, the disease processes and even like learning about ARDS and COPD and, um, you know, it, it just clicked for me and, and I loved it. Like mechanical ventilation is a course that, you know, a lot of people, it's a very difficult course and people really struggled to do well in it. And I just nailed it. Like, I just loved it. So that's so I, divine great. intervention. <laughs> I'm just like, um, God, you know, I, I have a background in critical care and, and, um, you know, what did I get on vents? Maybe I got yeah. one hour. Yeah. Yeah. Then, which is uh, probably pretty standard, but you know, tons of bedside experience, right? Like tons of, of course. And you know, we always like spitball the 
is that even right? Spitball the respiratory therapist or just like ask, ask them like, Hey, what's this? What's that? But, um, yeah. mm-hmm. what, um, Oh my God. On one of your TikToks not too long ago, you were like, you could place a lines. Is that part of your schooling? Absolutely. So I, um, I live in Florida and I know, uh, like in general, I think in Florida, we have uh, a lot of autonomy here, uh, maybe over other states, but it is 100% within our scope of practice. Like when we are in school, we are taught how to, you know, go like we're obviously do sticks for arterial blood gases. Um, but we are, you know, taught as much as you can do an A-line on a mannequin or whatever, but we're taught about the like sterility and all that stuff of placing A-lines. Um, we're taught about balloon pumps in school. Like people, I've talked about managing balloon pumps on um, TikTok as well. And people are like, what? You shouldn't be anywhere near a balloon pump. And I'm like, it's literally in our schooling to manage balloon pumps. Um, managing like nitric, um, that's Mm -hmm. all a part of it as well. Like there's so much more to it and it makes, it breaks my heart that other people are not able to, you know, we call them like when we're in school uh, and your teachers are kind of encouraging you to critically think and stuff. And they say, you know, don't just be a button pusher or a knob turner, um, which I feel Uh like so many RTs can kind of fall into that. And, and And I'm sure it has a lot to do with um, where they work and what, you know, what you're allowed to do there. But I'm so fortunate, um, where I work, I can really practice my skills. And I mean, we intubate, we do place the A-lines, we manage balloon pumps, we manage nitric. Um, like I, I mean, I'm in the bread and butter of what, what I get to do as a respiratory therapist. So, I hope that other places, you know, recognize like what we're able to do and maybe it'll change over time. And, and also, you know, nurses, like you guys already have so much to do, you know, you, there's so much for you all to do. Um, And talking about like the nurse RT relationship, I'm also so fortunate. I, I work so well with the nurses at my hospital. I, I mean, we are such a team and there's no way I could do it without them. And, you know, they, I, I feel like several of them feel like they couldn't do it without me. So, oh, it's of course. Um, yeah. Um, so I know other hospitals, you know, it's the nurses that manage the balloon pumps and everything, but I get to do it. And yeah, it's 100% um, taught in school and within our scope of practice. Well, I'm just thinking, or I was thinking, so we have ECMO specialists, ECLS specialists, and nurses and RTs can be in that role. So, yeah. So we, I, we have an ECMO unit um, and we do have ECMO specialists. It's either like an RN that's an ECMO specialist or an RT can be an ECMO specialist, but like, you know, you're an ECMO specialist. Like I'm not an ECMO specialist. I don't, you know. I don't know nearly uh, what they know, but yeah, we do have RNs and RTs that both can like apply and train to be an ECMO specialist. What's your favorite kind of patient like for you? I mean, and then I, and I only, and I, and those of us out there, we know what that means. Like we've never want anything bad to happen to, to our patients. Of course. Yeah. Like there's some fun. Yeah. Out there. Um, 
I love cardiac, like pre COVID, you know, if you ask me that question, I would say I love cardiac patients. Um, like, you know, explaining what I, I'm not just pulmonary, like we're cardiopulmonary specialists, you know? Um, and so I do love the cardiac side. Um, I love, you know, the patients that do have balloon pumps and they're waiting um, for a transplant or something like that. And, you know, we get to manage their balloon until they finally get to go for a heart can be really exciting. Um, but I also love the critical aspect as well. Um, I, like I said earlier, I love mechanical ventilation. Like I, I understand, you know, the point is to get people on and off as quickly as possible. And, um, you know, but, uh, you know, having a, like a patient who's in like full blown ARDS <laughs> and, um, it can be really challenging with the ventilator, uh, with high like peak pressures and, um, you know, there's just all sorts of little things that we know, um, and, and get to, get to manage on the ventilator. And so I like to be challenged. Um, and I feel like I'm still new enough in the field. And I knew like going into it, you know, I had a lot of options of places to work, but I wanted to be in it. And I wanted to learn as much as I possibly could as quickly as I possibly could. Um, and um, like you said, you know, critical care is, can be devastating sometimes, but being able to help manage those patients, um, you know, you're critically thinking a lot and we have so much autonomy, you know, I can pull a blood gas and basically do whatever I want with it. Of course, you know, I would talk it over with the physician or whatever, but you know, I feel free and comfortable where I work to suggest like, Hey, you know, would it be okay if I made this, this, and this change? And like 99% of the time they're like, yeah, sounds good. Go ahead. You know? So, um, being able to work with, um, really critical patients is very fun for me. <laughs> yeah. It'd be fun. Cause you can just add a, add a lot and make them better. Or, I mean, yeah. Are you at a teaching hospital? Uh, yes. We have like a lot of residents and fellows yeah. and things like that. Um, we actually had, um, it's not, it wasn't my position, but there was like a, a, an RT that worked in our hospital in one of the ICUs that we have. And um, her, her job, you know, she was an RT and had her own assignment, but her, her job was also to educate residents. Um, so she was kind of the one to, uh, help like teach them how to place a lines and like not, wow. you know, just like radial and, and stuff like that. So, yeah. um, she was kind of the one to, you know, to kind of be there while they were intubating and kind of help with setting up for intubation and showing them how to intubate and, um, things like that. So, um, yeah, it, it sometimes it can be, we have so many residents and fellows and we, you know, we're like fighting for intubations and stuff like that. Right. But, um, yes, we, we are a teaching hospital. That's fun. That's cool. Like I'm also at a teaching hospital, but our RTs aren't utilized in the same way. And it's probably got to be down to maybe statewide like licensure things. Yeah. Um, oh my God. I think my dog's going to pee on my bed. One second. <laughs> okay. <laughs> 
okay. No, you're fine. I have a dog too. And I was honestly concerned that he was going to like lose his mind during this. So he's been doing very well. Oh, <laughs> My really? dog. You really? Oh, it'd be yeah, fun you know, who knows what they're going to bark at or whatever, yeah. you know? Yeah. Or he just yeah. chews loud. Like if he's chewing on something, I was like, oh, you're going to be so loud and obnoxious in this, but <laughs> he's doing well. <laughs> um, sorry about that interruption. Um, so you just what you're able to do is just um, really cool and fun yeah. Um, yeah, and exciting. And I love like, oh, you know, you could help, you could help teach the residents. Um, like yeah. sometimes we are, you know, we like, we'll have a sick patient. Maybe they need an A-line or whatever. Um, and they have to wait until the team can do it Yeah, like, after rounds and you know, after any f- big fires have been put out. And so, um, anyway, just an interesting, uh, point of view. That's it, cool for us, you know, like, a um, one of the cool things I think about RTs, but also one of the like difficult things, um, like more than nursing is, um, we like respond to codes. Like, you know, we have, um, like if I'm on the sixth floor and then if there's a code anywhere between the fifth and eighth floor, like the RT on the sixth floor will respond to that code. You know, like ICU nurses will respond to floor codes and things like that. Like there's mm-hmm. a specific team sometimes for it. So, but I feel like RTs um, more than anyone else in the hospital experience codes because, you know, we're kind of like, when I show up to a code, uh, like the waters part for us to get in there, you know, I mean, it's when that, when I first experienced that, like, I remember, you know, day one, like I was training, um, like just to be on the floors and kind of sling treatments. And, um, but you know, we still respond to codes. Um, and if we're not intubating, we're at least setting up for intubation. We're bagging the patient. Um, so we see a lot of codes, like more, you know, than anyone else other than like physicians, you know, would, um, see in the hospital. So, um, and then when you're working in the ICU, like say, you know, a a code comes in, like someone codes on the floors and they're going to come to our ICU. So they might have like one peripheral line or something like that, you know, like they've been on the floor and it hasn't, you know, their treatment hasn't been critical or anything like that. So it is such an incredible team effort. Like as soon as we get a code in from the floor, um, normally they're usually like, if it's that bad, they'll be intubated on the floor. Um, and then we can like bag them to, uh, the ICU. And so, you know, I'll have the ventilator set up. I will like when, if I'm not bringing the patient, you know, I've gotten a phone call from someone that's saying like, Hey, we're coming. Um, so I set up the ventilator. I will grab everything I need for an A-line because I know that's what's coming. Um, and so the patient gets there and, um, like really so little is said and the nurse will already be trying to place IVs. I instantly, you know, I look at the doctor, like, can I put an A-line in? Yes. Like instantly start doing that. And then usually the physician gets to the head of the bed and we'll start putting in like a central line or something like that. So like, you know, there's a nurse on one side and RT on the other and the physician at the head, and we're all placing lines and working together. And, 
Um, it just happens so naturally. And um, I love that about where I work too. I'm just like, I'm so lucky to work where I work, but um, you know, so like they're placing like bigger batter lines and I'm, you know, placing an A line, I feel like. So that it just kind of works out um, for us to do A lines like that. And um, so yeah, I forget kind of what the original question was, but no, <laughs> it just, it, it's but... the perfect team coming together. And, you know, if I didn't insert A-lines, it would be like the physician would have to, you know, they, they're they usually yeah. appreciative of us, you know, being able to knock it out while they're getting a line in, while the nurse is getting a line in. And, you know, I'll set them up on the vent and then get started on my A-line. And, and it just, and within, you know, an hour, like this patient is Set. totally stable and you know set up and ready to go so it's awesome that's awesome and it's so emergent that's... and you know it's, it's exciting like in it the time exciting. that it's happening everyone's working really well under pressure collaborating. exactly they know their yeah. roles yeah that's fun that's like that's like <laughs> i'm like what thing i'm gonna say that's so cheesy that's where the magic happens that's no but really true. yeah that is where the magic happens yes absolutely um, that's really cool. You guys work so well together. Uh, how, so this is a little darker. How has COVID changed things for you guys? I mean, you've basically oh been, excuse my French, you've been fucked over down there in Florida because <laughs> you know, management, I don't know. I, you know, it's interesting. It's very interesting. Like, I feel like there are pros and cons because I understand what you're saying about the management a hundred percent. However, in a way, and I'm not exactly sure how it happens in other States, but in a way we've had these like ebbs and flows. So when we do get hit, like when the Delta variant, you know, came, I mean, we were hit hard. Like we will fill up an ICU in a weekend, like a 40 bed ICU, we'll fill it up in a weekend. Um, but then, and we will have, you know, maybe two months of gnarly, uh, shifts, but then it, it starts to go down, you know? So I'm not exactly sure how it's happening in other States, if it's kind of more consistent. Um, but you know, we have like really peak times and then we will like right now we're in a lull and um, it's like my personality. I'm like two completely different people. Like when, when we're in a lull and then like when we're, you know, at a peak and I feel like my TikTok kind of started to blow up um, when we were going into a peak and I was genuinely in a place of not being okay, you know, and I was just kind of using TikTok as, as like an outlet, um, because it was really, really bad. Um, so we do have lulls, um, up until now, you know, I don't know if it's going to be any different, you know, with treatments and vaccinations and everything. Um, but Pretty much my, my Dexcom is yelling at me because my sensor is expired. Um, oh, do you, <laughs> so you hear that? that? <laughs> no. Okay. No, it's fine. Um, so, you know, we had our original, like, 20, like, March of 2020, you know, um, we got 
hit pretty hard, like spring and summer. And then we kind of had a lull towards the end of summer and then picked back up around the holidays and then had a l- another little lull. And then um, like this last summer, uh, I would say, so we're in 20, I'm like, what year is it? I know, 2021. Um, we, we started to pick up, I think probably around July and we had maybe a little, we had a spring hit for a couple months. It's just crazy. Like how it'll blow up and then there's nothing, you know? And when I say nothing, you know, we're used to like, I'm managing 12 vents, like eight of them are proning and supining. Like they're all on CRT, you know, just like an absolute fucking shit show. Um, And then, you know, right now I go to work and I'm like, Oh, I have my walkie talkie balloon pumps and uh, you know, just maybe a couple, this person went into, um, you know, like, it, you know, it's just, it's you so, it's so different. Who, yeah. 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 It's like, so different yeah. when we're not in a height of COVID. So right now we're not, but like I said, we didn't expect Delta at all. I, I think, you know, we maybe thought something, uh, cause it was kind of like we had, like I said, we got hit in the spring of 2021 a little bit. And then had our downtime and then it was like Delta that, that came back that summer. And it was like, you know, and, and I, I was probably, my ego was, was pretty big at the time. I was like, like we made it through 2020. Like we've already had a couple waves, like, like, come on Delta, whatever. And then it was, it was unreal. It was unfucking real. Like I, I don't even know how to explain it to people. Like I felt like I was walking into a war zone every time I was going to work. And it's 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 bizarre. Like working nights. I'm sorry, I'm getting passionate now, but like oh, please. <laughs> it's bizarre working nights because there's there's already nobody there. And then it's COVID, so there's really nobody there. And then like you know, I, I get off the elevators to my ICU and the doors are closed and there's like massive signs that say, you know, like, do not pass this point, um, you know, because uh, you're about to walk into a COVID ICU. Um, and I, I, you know, I'm like, let's fucking go. Like, I'm just walking into a war zone and you walk in and you would just start to run like, and especially that variant, like people were like, I explained COVID like, uh, and, and ARDS in general is, you know, the disease process is like this in general, but it's like, patients are okay. You're okay. You're okay. And then, oh shit, you know, like that's COVID. Um, like you're, you're on the floors, like kind of being managed well. And then like ours is a 24 to 48 hour acute process, you know? So when people are going into ARDS, like, you're like, holy fuck, everything has to happen now, you know? Yeah. So, And then uh, this is like, every patient is doing that, right? Every patient. It's like, I can, and we're, we're short staffed. So, you know, if I'm in a 40 bed ICU and there's only three of us and every single room has a ventilator in it, or, you know, you might be the lucky one that like, we're kind of holding this person off, trying to keep them on BiPAP for a little while. This person's on a heated high flow. And then in one night, it's just like, 
boom, 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 boom. Like they're all tanking at the same time. Um, and, and like with that, with the, the Delta variant, they, I just felt like they, you know, crashed so much harder and so much faster. Um, and then, you know, once they're put on CRT, it's like, we're, we're done here. Um, but, and and then we prone so much and RTs have so much to do with proning. Um, I, I don't even know if, if people, I, I wish sometimes like we could just throw HIPAA out and be like, if you could just see what it takes to prone a, a human being that is uh, on mechanical ventilation, like you might be a little bit more careful. You know what I mean? Like I it, the manpower it takes to literally flip a human being over is unbelievable. And I mean, it's awesome what it does and it, and it works. Yeah, but you think about that by like multiplying that for all of the patients. So, I mean, oh, yeah. it's like six to eight people. I mean, depending on how you do it, it could be five, maybe f- could be eight. If you, especially mm-hmm. if you someone who's like a large BMI, high BMI or whatever, you know, um, yeah. yeah, like that's a fuck ton of resources. Yes. Yes. And and the public doesn't yeah. know that they don't understand that. Sorry, no. I'm getting passionate. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. You're absolutely right. And it's like I I love listening to to this because it's like uh, your podcast is like if if you don't know, you don't know. And there's but if you know, you know, you know. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, and and it was kind of interesting. Like I said, we sort of had like that lull before Delta hit, and so we had lost our resources. It was like, well, we're still dealing with COVID, but we're not the heroes anymore. Um, you know, people had kind of forgotten. We, we had like a prone team for a while, like, like in 2020, we would have people come in specifically just to like roll up gowns and make sure that we had them prepped and ready, you know, for each room to go into. And then we lost all of that. Like we had no resources. And then ultimately a little bit further into our Delta wave, we, you know, they realized like, okay, it's bad. Like we need to start bringing back some resources here. And they did, and it was okay. But going into it, you know, we felt like we had nothing and, and it does take, uh, yeah, just an incredible amount of, of resources. And when you have that many people, like there's only so much you can do with, that many people. And I don't, I, I work with some people that, um, you know, have been doing this longer than me and they were around for H1N1. Um, and they say, you know, it was nothing like this, like, uh, just like you're saying the, the, the amount of people that are needing emergent care. And there's only so much of you know, there's only so many of us and we're doing the best that we can. And we've lost, and I've, I've remained a staff, um, you know, this entire time I haven't traveled or anything like that. Um, so people are coming and going and, and sometimes, I mean, you're just getting your ass kicked and, and then, you know, like I said, we're, we're no longer heroes. Like in the beginning of it, it was like, Oh, 
you know, thank you for everything. And then, and then this time it was almost like we were being blamed, you know, um, for so many things. And it's, and I, I don't, I have such a love hate relationship with ECMO. Like I said, I don't really work with ECMO, but, uh, you know, I know there's only so many ECMO machines. Um, I, and of course, you know, I, I just feel like sometimes we wait too long, but then I'm sure that we're waiting because we already have so many people on ECMO, you know, and, and all this. So, yeah, someone yeah. has to die to free up exactly. the circuit. Oh which, man, we were oh, literally man. like pulling. Yeah. Like, like, no, seriously. Like there was a point in time when, like, we were like, hey, we're going to be intubating, uh, you know, bed two. Like, okay, uh, we don't have a vent up here. 35 is about to die. Um, I'll pull the vent out and, like, get it cleaned up. You know, like, it was such a shit show. And, and that's what, like, you know, and we have so many vents. Like, we, I'm sure our hospital oh, was adequately prepared, you know. I mean, they really, they paid a lot of money and they were really prepared. But there's only so much you can do when you have that amount of people, you know, and we like, we've been learning this entire time too. Like, this is terrible to say, but when like beginning of 2020, you know, when people had no idea, like brand fucking new, we weren't even coding these people. Like we were so afraid to even go in the room. Like we would basically just like let them code and die. And like yep. watch from the window because we didn't know. And, you know, we didn't know how to treat it any better at the time. And we, so, and I mean, then, you know, we got to a point where it's like, okay, now we're coding everybody. And of course, you know, I like joke with people that like, you know, you're so careful in the beginning and you're wiping everything down, down and everything. And then like, now we're like, all right, I got to run in, hold your breath, you know, <laughs> like rather than putting everything right, right, Like right. We're just so used to it at this point. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's just, it's so difficult. And then I've seen like interviews on TV of, you know, having a family member that's passed away from COVID and their family member uh, was complaining about, you know, they're not being enough resources. And it's like, I hear you. And, and I, I, it's devastating, but yeah. we are doing the best we can. Like there's, you know, if I have, there's just so many, there's just, I don't think there's ever been this many people at one time, you know, I mean, we had hundreds, hundreds of, you know, critical COVID patients at one time. Yeah. You know, like you can only manage that so well. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. The public has no idea the sort of the ramifications for this disease being out of control for the, mm-hmm. you know, like they don't understand again, like you said, that, that the resources like there's, they're strapped. And I don't know if, did you guys ever go to like crisis standards of care? Yes. Um, yeah. Which well, nobody did. I'm like, not sure exactly. Well, like, like a crisis charting and stuff like yeah, that kind of, kind of like yeah. do, the ability to do your basically allowing you to do kind of the bare men yes for your patients yeah. to keep them alive but like you can't yes. like nobody and, and, really yeah and i feel like you know there are times when uh i remember one weekend i work i usually work like like you know three days in a row over a weekend or something like that and one weekend you know we we like we'll fill up an icu and then 
you know, honestly, like they all die off and then we fill it up again. And then, you know, so it was just like one of those weekends where we were losing so many people that weekend. And granted, they had been there for months and um, had been suffering and they were really at the point of no return. It just kind of happened to all happen at the same time. And, um, you know, we'll go in one room and code a patient and we'll be, uh, you know, trying to make as much light of the situation as you can. And, you know, we're talking to each other and everything's okay. And then we'll go to the next code. And then at the end of it, we're all bawling. Like, you know, there's just no way to really know how it's going to hit you, you know? Um, And you try, I mean, I feel like, honestly, I've seen more dead bodies uh, in the last two years than like, if I was in the military, like I, I don't, I can't even explain to you how many dead bodies I have seen, how many dead bodies I have stood over and just watched die, you know, and to explain that to someone is very difficult. And I don't want to take away from, you know, the stress of anyone's job. And I know that people have very difficult jobs and um, things can be very stressful. That's not normal. That's not normal. I agree. And there's another TikToker who, I forget his name, but he made a, a, a video talking about like, even when you work in the ICU normally, like, you know, a nurse might lose a patient, you know, very rarely. Um, so it wasn't like we were dealing with death in the way that we have been dealing with death with this. Like now, you know, you go into work and you're lucky if, you know, you didn't see two people die or something, you know? Um, yeah. So it's, uh, yeah. And, and it's so difficult to process because it's like, you know, one day you think you're fine. And then like the next day it's like, wow, okay. All of this is really adding up and, uh, it weighs on you for sure. A ton of questions. I want to know, uh, first of all, the respiratory body, whatever their governing body over you guys are, have they tried to do anything acknowledging like how hard it has been? Because let me just say for people out there who don't realize this, every fucking respiratory therapist is at like every death, like, especially if you're coming off the ventilator, like, you know, and you know, a nurse might have two patients, but a respiratory therapy therapist has a lot more patients than that. And then if you're right drawing on multiple people. Like that's a lot of people mm-hmm. anyway. Sorry. The, the, you but you're, I don't even know what the governing body is, but have they we have like, like the NBRC, hey, the national board of respiratory care. And then like, you know, each state has like a, like the Florida society of respiratory care. And I don't, they might have more, you know, it's never enough. Like your email telling me, thank you. You know, like, <laughs> Like, suck my ass with that email, you know, like, thank you for telling me thank you. I don't even know, like, <laughs> you know, and like, it's the same shit for like nurses week and stuff, you know, you guys get a pen or oh, whatever God. you're going to get, you know, and I mean, I'm, I'm sure, like, what are you going to do, though? I, I'm not blaming 
them. It's like, there's only so much you can do. Like this is uncharted territory. And I, I get it. It's like, how do you try to be, be like, sorry you're having to deal with this you know like here's the thing though like okay so we know that there have been lots of groups of people out there like in different so i'm gonna make an analogy here and some of you guys might get mad um (laughs) but there we know that there have been lots of people out there who have been exposed to a lot of death over long long periods of time um and that would be in wars right Mm -hmm. like so and they these people have been studied and there's data like, you know, I feel like people should be looking to how to mitigate, you know, fallout from seeing whatever this impact is, this is PTSD, this emotional stress, whatever. I think people should, the people who are not in the trenches, I mean, and should people in the trenches should be, I mean, if they have the bandwidth to do it, but like, right. we should be looking at this re- body of evidence to be like, what would fucking help? I don't know. Well, th- but that is the question. Like, if you ask me, like, what could I do for you? I'd be like, give me a new fucking job. I don't know. You know, <laughs> like, <laughs> I I don't know how to answer that. Like, what yeah. will make it better? Like, and it's like, I love respiratory um like i'm still passionate about my job but i'm not gonna lie like covid has fucking ruined it you know like it is my in one of my tiktoks a while ago like i was explaining you know someone had commented and been like oh like you really sound like you hate your job (laughs) and and you know my answer was like my job is not my job anymore like this is, you know, in the beginning, everybody was telling like nurses, like, oh, well, this is what you signed up for. Like this, you know, and it's like, no, this is not like, I am passionate about helping people. And like, I love, you know, my job, but it's like, this is, we're past that. Like, this is not even comparable to what my normal job should look like. Like, we are so far fucking past that you know when we're in the height of these things there's no way to explain it and just talking about ptsd like again i don't know what i the amount of therapy i would could and probably should have the rest of my life like god only fucking knows but it's it's so my i have a, a daughter and she um her school like had required masks until a certain point and then um, you know, we've kind of been in this lull of COVID and I've been pretty emotionally like stable and okay. Um, and then they got, I got a phone call, like an automated phone call from her school the other day, um, that basically just said, you know, like, Hey, uh, you know, masks are no longer required. Um, you know, feel free to wear them. Uh, but also, you know, you don't have to, whatever an automated phone call, you know, a, a 20 second automated phone call. I was a wreck for like at least a week after that, like just everything coming up in my mind, like this is kind of what happened last year. Like people got comfortable around the holidays and then spent all the holidays together. And then we got hit after the holidays, you know? And, 
so but yeah, the amount of PTSD, like you think you're fine. And then yeah. one simple automated phone call saying like, Hey, we're not requiring masks anymore. And I, I burst into tears, you know, yeah. like, I don't know what's going uh, to trigger it. And um, yeah, so that's a perfect example of PTSD. Yeah. And, and, and yeah. I have no idea what would fix it, you know, yeah. like, what, I have so, no idea. What do you try to do to take care of yourself? Like what brings you light or, I mean, I don't know. I don't want to gloss over. No, 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 of course. I mean, you have to continue functioning as a human being, you know, (laughs) and doing your parents. Right. And I know it's hard. It's hard though. I, I, you know, I don't know. It's, so much of what we do is unseen. And so like, Mm -hmm. it's hard to like exist in this space. Oh God. I don't, I feel like I'm going to get emotional. Um, it's okay. um, (laughs) I'll cry with you. (laughs) Okay. So um, it's like, um, I, I got a, um, message from my husband's like friend who's like trying to plan this, like winter get togethers, Christmas yep. thing or whatever. And the, like they, they decided that they're going to like do this, like a big indoor, um, dinner. And I'm like, and I just like, I don't know. I just went yep. to this place of yep. all of the worries and all of the people and, you know, yep. like yeah. it's the holiday season trying to factor in like how much COVID is in the environment and all this stuff. And yeah. I don't fucking know that. They don't know that, that I'm going to exactly. feel that way. Uh-huh. No, exactly. And I was talking to one of my coworkers about the same thing the other day, like talking about that phone call. It's just like every feeling I have, you know, just like you're saying, like just something like that, like, Hey, we're going to have a holiday party. Like, and, and then, and then all of a sudden, like the world is crashing down on me and I, and I'm, having, you know, flashbacks to, you know, horrible things I've seen in, in the hospital and just whatever. And so I feel like that's very common for so many of us. Um, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. God. I mean, yeah. Uh, What do you try to do, um, on your off days to, I don't know, take care of yourself or yeah um yeah and to make light of you know what I what I do like honestly I had I started making TikToks and like I said that's kind of how I blew up was I was literally in like the deepest darkest uh you know my one of my my I think the one that like really blew up was I had legitimately come home um one morning because I worked night shift I'd come home one morning and we had had a patient COVID positive and it was an unfucking real experience. Like this woman, we coded her six times before she finally passed. Um, And it was just an awful, awful night. And for whatever reason, like during one of the codes, they wanted us to like take her to fucking CT for something. God only knows why. Like, what are we doing at that point? That's like a whole nother conversation. 
like we're coding her on the way, like in the elevator on the way back. Like it was just a a literal shit show Mm -hmm. of a night. And I came home from work and I had picked up Chick-fil-A on the way home and I poured a shot of tequila and I filmed, you know, me taking a bite of the, the burrito and taking the shot. And I said, don't go into healthcare. And in that moment, I truly felt that like, <laughs> you know, just after that night and it was such a real thing for me. And yeah. so that's just kind of having that outlet um, is what helped me. Honestly, I sleep a lot <laughs> um, just from working night shifts. I you know, do all the normal things they tell you to do, exercise, blah, blah, blah. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I, I I have a wonderful family and um, yeah. it's just, uh, I have I do have a really great support system. So I'm very lucky and can kind of just veg out with mm-hmm. friends and family. And I love doing that. Um, so, you know, like you did. I don't even know, you know, like you just, just, uh, whatever, whatever you can do. Uh, but it's always there, you know, like it's always looming over you. Yeah. So, um, uh, I want to make a comment about your TikToks. (laughs) Um, I think I saw that video. Um, but I have to say shout out to grace, by the way, her TikTok is at underscore, she said what underscore, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. She's like 225,000 followers, which is insane. (laughs) But, um, her videos are so funny because it's like, she's okay. I'm just gonna say it. You're like eating open mouth, drinking wine, maybe straight from a bottle or taking shots. (laughs) You're just swearing and Swinging truths about um, life and also life and, you know, healthcare. So I just think you're so great and uh, funny, funny. And, you know, it, yes, humor is a way. Yes. That is how I try to make light of things humor, whether, whether it's dark humor or what, but to me, it's humorous. (laughs) You need dark humor though. I mean, to survive the work that we do for sure. Oh, you, um, recently launched a merch store, right? Yes, it's closed now. I but, saw that. Uh, yeah, it was, I guess that's like, I'm so, I feel so, um, not, oh, see there's the dog. Hi, I told you you would be obnoxious okay. eventually. Um, I, 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 I feel so like not, you know, uh, in the times. I guess, like people are launching merch. I'm like, how are you doing that? But anyways, I had like gotten set up uh, with a company and they kind of had like store like open, like, you know, you only left it open for a week or whatever. So I do plan on hopefully launching more in the future. I have some more ideas. Um, But yeah, the stressy and depressy store is closed for now. But I definitely have some, some plans for the future. So. So fun. Yeah, she says stressy and depressy. That's your tag. It's like what you, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the only way I can describe uh, feelings sometimes, you know? (laughs) (laughs) And like you're saying, like you, you have to, like, I still have to function like an adult, you know, like just because I go to work and watch five people die. I like, I still got to come home and buck up and, 
and uh, get shit done. So, you know, how, 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 how else do you uh, call it? Yeah. I don't want to be like, uh, you know, if I tell myself, Oh no, you're actually a really depressed bitch. Uh, I'll probably lay in bed a few more hours than normal, which I do anyway. But if I try to make light of it and say, Oh, I'm stressing and depressing, you know, maybe I'll get a little bit more done that day or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I like it. Do you have any last closing thoughts for the show? I just want to say, I feel like respiratory therapists are um, like the unsung heroes of the hospital. Um, We get the shit end of the stick every time, all the time, you know, Uh, even, even on my, my TikTok, it's like, oh, like everyone thinks I'm a nurse you know, and, and that's fine. And I, I love nurses and, um, thank God for nurses. Um, but we are like Batman in the hospital, you know, like something is going wrong and an RT shows up, like no one really knows who we are and what we're doing, but we show up. We're kind of known for being calm and level-headed when everyone is freaking out. And, you know, we do our job and then we leave and nobody really knows what just happened. Um, And so what we do is so important. And um, I have had to remind myself several times, you know, in the last couple of years that I do love my job, Um, but I really do. And I just want people to be encouraged um, about the field of respiratory. Um, it has advanced so much. Um, and we really can do so much. And, um, I just want to encourage people to consider respiratory. You know, it's, it is something that people don't know about and you will get the shit end of the stick for the rest of your career, but (laughs) you can, you can feel good about it, you know, yourself. And, um, man, it can just be fun. It can be a lot of fun. So, um, I just want to encourage people to, to, to think about respiratory when you're looking into going into the medical field. That's just, all. Yes. Yeah. Well, I love respiratory therapists. I love the respiratory therapist that I work with. Shout out to Claudio, Claudio, Claudio. <laughs> he listens to the show. He's so great. Um, oh, awesome. but, um, yeah, I love respiratory therapists and, you know, I f- couldn't do my job without, you guys. And, uh, you know, anyway, I'm just grateful, 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 grateful. And, um, I'm just honored that you popped on the show, Grace, and it's just been so fun and therapeutic and cool to have to chat. Um, yeah. Anything else? No, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for having me and for doing what you do. Honestly, like, like I said, just listening to your podcast is like therapeutic me that, you know, I, other people are kind of going through similar things and feeling similar ways. And, um, like I said, like every, if you're a healthcare worker, like you should listen to this podcast, like it is so therapeutic. So thank you for doing what you do. It's awesome. Well, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Well, I'm going to close this out and say, stay safe and stay sane. And I'll see you on the next one. That was so awesome. Grace. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. 
Thanks so much for tuning in today. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and leave an honest review on whatever platform you are listening. Also, feel free to share this with your nursing colleagues. If you'd like to email me, you can do so at founddownpodcast at gmail.com. Feel free to send in any stories. Just make sure they're HIPAA compliant. Also, you can follow the podcast on Instagram at founddownpodcast. We'll see you on the next one. Thank you.